0: Welcome to the Art of Mindset with your host, me, Brian Lesage. Today we have a special guest who is known for dissolving the overwhelming hurdles and worries we all have around writing and journaling. Throughout her years, she has taken the steps from being a project coordinator, to a mom, to a librarian, to even now her newest entrepreneurial adventure, a journaling guru. Amanda has a way of encompassing the most subtle beauties of what many of us would see as daunting and overwhelming, and I believe she can help you take the necessary steps to aid you in your journey through your own path of the art of mindset. Hey, Amanda, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really excited to have you here.
1: I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Brian.
0: So I kind of like to get into to the art of mindset to get the listeners into a, a thinking process of, again, where people came from, how they did what they did to overcome what they've overcome, and really get into the motion of what where they plan to go from there. So to really begin this conversation, I kind of want to turn back the wheel of time, if you will. And one of my favorite questions is to kind of just figure out what kind of person you are or a child you were to be more specific on the playground time. So who was Amanda as a kid? Oh,
1: golly. Amanda was a kid who needed to be liked and needed to be good at all of the things. Even when I was really small, I was a people pleaser. I love to, you know, do the... I love to excel in school. I love to do things that made my parents proud of me. I love to be, you know, patted on the head and patted on the back and told how great I was. Um, so I learned very early on that the better I followed the rules and the happier I was and the kinder I was, really, the the better my life was because the more people liked me.
0: Yeah, I can definitely uh, relate to that. And I I bet a lot of other people can as well. So looking for that gratification out externally, right? That was something that we're kind of getting and getting into. Uh, What did that kind of transition into? And maybe what point in time did that maybe evolve to? Maybe there's other things outside of that.
1: Can you see my wheels turning? They're turning really, really fast and hard. Yeah, no, I... I think it took me a very, very long time to come to a place where I was driving my life because I found it so rewarding to be liked and I wanted to impress people and I wanted to make other people happy. I lived a really long time for other people. And I spent a long time not just worrying about what other people thought, but making decisions that I thought were the right decisions and doing what I was supposed to do instead of what felt right for me. And it's really only been in the last, oh, I will say seven or eight years that I've really come into my own and really started living my life in a way that feels honest and authentic and true to who I am and what I want to be.
0: Kind of going back to a point where we say, again, we're looking for living this life. What did that look like? Maybe the most influential person for you then as a child uh, in your life and how did they influence you?
1: Mm. I was very influenced by my older sister. I have a sister who's 18 months older, and she was just great at everything. I wanted to be just like her. She was smart, and she was funny, and people liked her, and she was an incredible dancer and an incredible musician, and anything she did, I wanted to do. We lived in a very small town that didn't have a lot of opportunities, so it made sense for me to do the same things she did because those were the kind of things that were available in our town, and those were the kind of things that I was interested in, anyways. And it was interesting to see how it influenced our relationship growing up because I admired her so much, and I always felt like she thought of me as a pesky little sister. And it was a long, long time before we were able to come to terms with that and really become great friends.
0: That's awesome. That's really good. And I guess through through all of that, you said you kind of fell in their footsteps and maybe followed into certain projects or art forms. What what was kind of your release? What was your creative? Did you have a creative release? Because we know now you're a big journaler. You're talking about writing all the time, getting those words out there. So, was writing, yeah, writing something, was that something that was a part of your is life always that always been a
1: part of my life. I have a couple of books, actually, from kindergarten and first grade. We always made books a couple of times a year, they were typed and we did the illustrations and they were sewn together in a cardboard binding covered with wallpaper samples as uh, as the covers. But yeah, from those early days, I loved to write. Um, when I was in high school, I had an English teacher who uh, every day made us write an essay. And you never know what it would be, but I got in the habit really early, really fast of just getting my mind my thoughts on paper and getting to be really good at the art of the first draft. Mm -hmm. And it was sometime in that high school period that I really made the connection between writing and how I felt when I wrote. And it was a really great time in my life, I think, to pave the way and build this habit that I could call on later when I needed it.
0: Wow. Wow that's awesome i know a lot of people that really don't like writing they want to get better at writing um they maybe even want to become writers right and journaling might be something that they're worried about that they're not a good writer so what would be something you would say to those people
1: i would say first of all um our journals don't judge um, that's i think one of the parts i love best about journaling is we can write anything we want in our journals We don't have to worry about spelling or grammar or how much we like our handwriting because our journals don't judge. It is a place where we can put our thoughts and work through our feelings and our sticky situations without worrying about whose eyes are going to be on it because journals are something we write just for us. So that's the that's the first thing I'd say. I'd also say, remember that there's no wrong way to journal. And there's no one-size-fits-all approach that works for everybody. So that means we each have the luxury and the privilege and the opportunity to find a way.
0: And I wasn't a big writer growing up, so it really took time for me to get into writing and get into journaling as well. So, that's something that definitely I can attest to. Was there any other types of forms of art, if you will, because I kind of see writing as a form of art and and creativity release that you were a big part of your life growing up?
1: Yeah, I come from a very long line of crafty women. My grandmother could make anything out of yarn. Um, My mother would sew and Make things out of paper. She makes these amazing cards and books. Um, So, my whole life, I had always had some kind of project, whether it was a counted cross stitch or I was crocheting a scarf or I was, oh, I don't know, collaging or something. I was always making something as a kid. My mother put us in dance lessons. I played a musical instrument growing up. So art was always something that was part of my life. And even as an adult, I carried a lot of that forward. So in my spare time, I'm a calligrapher. I do a lot of stuff with yarn, just like my grandmother. Last year, I made hat, uh, excuse me, scarves and shawls and blankets for people in my community just because I needed a couch project and nobody in my family needs anything else made of yarn. Um, I even dabbled at basket weaving this year and learned I'm a really great basket weaver. It's like everything I've ever done in my life kind of came together as, uh, as I wove this basket. It was really fabulous.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so incredible. And that's awesome that you have these so many hobbies and these skills. And it sounds like you have this immense curiosity. And some people feel as if curiosity is like the core to innovation. So, maybe those that struggle with curiosity, what would you say to them?
1: I would say start asking questions. And you know, it's funny. I think sometimes in life, we feel it's not okay to ask questions. Like it means we're not very smart or we're worried about what people think. And I'm trying to think of when I realized it was okay to ask questions. And I think it was about a dozen years ago when I started a new job. I became a school librarian. It was my first gig right out of library school. I was the first librarian they had had at the school where I was working. And I don't think anybody knew what to do with me. So they walked me to the room. uh, That was the library, the door of the library. And they said, here you go. Have fun. We'd like it ready in two weeks. That was it. And oh, the questions I had. So I was talking basic questions like, where do I find a pen? Are there garbage bags somewhere? Who's our custodian? Um, Will I get a laptop to use? Um, If I have to call out, how do I call out? And I, I honestly didn't know these questions. And I thought if I if I need this information, the only way to get it is to start asking. So I became a really good question asker really off the bat. And because I was new there, I think people always just assumed that I was a big question asker and tolerated it, really. Um and it became really a gift because I knew it was allowed. So I started asking questions and I would ask questions usually three times because I learned by the third time I would get a consistent answer if I didn't even get the good answer. And I learned that because people tolerated my question asking. I could get away with asking questions in meetings that other people didn't feel comfortable. So I was the designated question asker. And I figure if I have a question, there's probably somebody in the room with the same question, and we're never going to know unless we ask it. My kids will tell you I'm the worst at, at asking questions, because if we're driving in the car and they ask a question and I don't know the answer, I make them look it up right then and there, because now, now I need to know what the answer is, right? So they're very, very careful about when they ask their questions to me.
0: Nate, deep and you found it, you know, starting a new job. And that's what I love about your story and and looking at your on your LinkedIn page and just seeing how you were like this project coordinator, and then took this sabbatical, right? And then came back librarian, and then here you are now entrepreneurial, journaling, creating webinars, starting a whole new chapter of your life. There's probably some women out there that can kind of attest to that or even align themselves to that. What is it like stepping away...
1: It's really, really hard. And it was especially hard for me because I was never really sure of myself in the first place. Um, My first career in public relations was short-lived. It was not a great fit for me. I liked the work I did. I liked the people I did the work for. I did not Think I was a good fit for the company I worked within, if that makes sense. And <laughs> it's it's a ridiculous story. Everyone can make fun of me if they want. I was young. I was unsure of myself. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't have a clear path of where I wanted to go. So I got married young because, you know, getting married solves all of your problems. And then I was like, well, you know, I might as well have a kid. That'll, you know, that'll take away my need to figure out what I'm going to do. I'll just have a baby because having a baby makes everything better, right? No, no, it doesn't. Um, I had a kid and then I had a second kid. And then I thought, you know, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life because at some point I'm going to have to go back to work and I can't go back to that. So I went to library school to become a librarian and I discovered uh, one week after I started that I was pregnant with kid number three. So it was a very intense, very exhausting journey and I ended up exactly where I needed to be.
0: That's incredible. That's incredible. So how did you get into this place where you're now at, where you're feeling as if, you know, we're come back into the workforce, we're a librarian now, seem like you've moved up very well there. Now we're wanting to be entrepreneurial into this mindset shift of, hey, I need to awaken other people into these gifts that I've found along the way. So where did that come from?
1: It came from a really big gift And completely by accident. So I worked as a school librarian for seven years. I worked with students with behavioral and emotional special needs. And it was a very intense, uh, intense place to work. It is a place where I learned to be very flexible because we could never predict how things were going to go. And about three years in, I knew this was not a place that I was going to uh, be long term. I ended up staying there seven years, but I thought, there's got to be something different for me. And if I don't like school librarianship, it's got to be public librarianship that that is right for me. So I working as a public library children's librarian about 10 hours a week during my last year at the school. And it was great. I loved it, and I learned I loved working in a children's library exactly 10 hours a week. And I thought, oh, golly, this this isn't what I want. It wasn't school libraries, and it's not public libraries. What is it that that I can do. And I got really lucky when I saw a job posting at this statewide organization. It's called the Connecticut Library Consortium. And we exist to save Connecticut libraries a lot of money on the products and services that they use the most by negotiating contracts on everyone's behalf. And when I saw the job posting, I thought, this is a little of everything I've ever enjoyed doing. I applied. I interviewed. I nailed the interview. And I waited a really long time to hear back. And when I finally did, the executive director said, we love you. Your references all love you. And we had somebody else who we also loved. So we gave her the job because she had more experience. And where do you go from that? Like, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And she says, no, 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 you're not listening. We really love you. So we want to create a position for you, which was the greatest professional opportunity I've ever had in my life. So they created this position, called it the Events and Special Projects Manager, and let me figure it out as I go, which was the greatest gift they could have given a very curious person wanting to figure out her life and make her place in the world. So it's been a really fabulous almost four years of uh, planning professional development for librarians across the state, for working with partners to create these really unique and interesting educational co-branded products and services. I get to oversee a statewide roundtable professional development program. And I really learned in the last four years who my people are, what my skills are, and what I have to contribute. So, journeying into this entrepreneurial world has been completely by accident. Um, Showing up on LinkedIn was completely intentional last year. It was one of my big goals for the year, to to figure out LinkedIn and leverage it. And it took me a long time to really find my voice and figure out how I was going to approach it. And I think I remember you, and you may remember me from my early days on LinkedIn, where I just kind of posted about learning and growth, and I was all over the place. I talk about what I learned from my garden, what I learned from my kids. And then I did a program called Brand 30 in October, and it's a 30 day personal brand building program. And the first thing they say is choose something to write about, maybe two, no more than three. And I thought, oh golly, maybe I'll talk about journaling. I can probably talk about journaling for three or four days, maybe a week if I stretch it. We'll see where that goes. And I have been blown away, Brian, by how it's resonated with people completely unexpected how it resonated.
0: Incredible. You have such a dynamic story with the uh, coming to the librarian, getting told that you're not the option, right? You're, you're not what we want or we will want you, but we, we love someone else as well. You know, so how is that? And I'm hoping uh, I can get some clarification here, but they, probably held you on the line, right, and said you didn't, like, hang up and then walk away, but uh, if that was the case, right, or if it was the case where you had to go for a long period of time after feeling as if you nailed the interview, what's your mindset at that point, right? What are you thinking about?
1: Oh, golly. I thought there was no way I would have gotten it because it was probably two months from the second interview. So the time I heard, maybe a month and a half, but it was a lot of waiting and nerves and thinking there's there's no way it could happen. You know, checking in with my references. Have they called you? Have they called you? No, they haven't called you. Oh, maybe, maybe they'll call you. They said they were going to call. And just worrying and coming from a place of uh, lack of confidence that I had had in my early career. And just kind of living by default. Cause I spent a lot of my early life, especially my twenties, the good half of my first half of my thirties, really living by default is the best way I can put it. Just going through the motions, doing the things I knew were expected of me, but not the things that I really wanted or needed. And I will tell you, it's It's a divorce that I had in my mid-30s that came completely out of the blue that I didn't expect, I didn't want, that really shook me into myself and made me realize the importance of figuring out what I was going to do and what was important to me and who did I want to be. That, That allowed me to have the patience I needed, even when I was waiting anxiously, to just Figure out what the next piece in my life was going to be and how I was going to show up and find my way in the world.
0: So, obviously, big trauma, usually traumas for a lot of people, right, kind of rock their boats, right, make them question a lot of things. Did you go to journaling to find yourself or what other things did you kind of find on this journey of I'm going to find Amanda and who she is?
1: Yeah. Journaling was the first thing I reached for. I'm grateful that I discovered journaling when I was a teenager. I told you earlier that I was a big writer in high school, but I discovered journaling as an angsty teenager having a bad day when none of my friends were available to come to the phone. And I just remember being upset about something and not knowing what to do. So I picked up a notebook and a pen and I just started writing and I can't tell you what I wrote about. But I can tell you, I wrote for a really long time. And when I was done, I felt better. And that was the first time really that I connected with getting my thoughts and feelings on paper made me feel better. I could feel a weight off my shoulders. So I reached for it the next day and the next day. And before I knew it, I had this really solid journaling habit that took me through high school, that took me into college and... Dipped off when I was a busy young mom, which is my biggest regret ever in my life is that I didn't journal enough when my kids were small. But on this one night when my husband, you know, then husband told me he didn't want to be married to me anymore. I knew I had this decision to make that I could let myself spiral into negativity or I could choose to find my own path forward so I reached for my journal and I made myself write what I was grateful for and I will tell you I was not grateful for very much in that in that moment and it was hard and it was ugly but I made myself do it and I came up with eight things I came up with eight things on the hardest day of my life which made me realize a my life is still really good and b I can look for, grab hold of every good thing that comes my way. And that was the turning point for me, Brian. That made all of the difference and led me to where I am now.
0: That's huge because, you know, we all go through things in life. We all have these struggles and these heartaches and some days just feel as if, you know, there's nothing out there to grasp and to say, well, I have a body that just fluff, right? I'm, hot, I'm great, thankful for a hot shower. It's like, am I just doing this? But this this day in, day out, you get it and you start focusing into these gratitudes and then you can really revolutionize and change your entire life by just kind of seeing that, right? Because you start to see more more and more uh so yeah that's that's an incredible story to be able to take that and to flip that into where we are now so you're again we're in this this journey here we're figuring ourselves out we're on our entrepreneurial state status if you will now We talk a little bit about what your greatest fear was early in your childhood where are we at now what's your maybe is your fear changed uh what are we worried about right now
1: mm. As a mom, I'm always worried about my kids and whether or not I taught them right and whether they're going to just be able to figure out their lives. That's always in the back of my mind. A little bit of worry is, can I really be the person I want to be all the time? Let me take you back to when I was in high school. I had this English teacher that I really, really liked. I had him three of my four years in high school, and he thought I was just the bee's knees when it came to my writing. Like, he was my biggest fan. And he gave me a card for my graduation that said, your writing will change the world. You wanna do something terrible to an 18-year-old kid? Put something like that on their shoulders. I didn't know what to do with it for so many years, and it is only in the last six months, I think, that I have finally come to terms with, that mean, with what that means. So my writing does change the world because I write every day in my journal, and that changes me. I show up on LinkedIn every day and share what I've learned and share what I know, and that helps more people than probably I know. I know the people it does help because they come to me and they say, oh, (laughs) this is what I needed. I've been thinking about journaling for so long. And this post you shared, that is making me it's putting me over the edge. And now I'm going to jump into the world of journaling or I wasn't sure how to get started but now I have an idea. Or my favorite, I was telling somebody a few weeks ago, spelling and grammar and handwriting don't count. And this comes from somebody who's journaled for a very long time. He said, I just released a big sigh of relief that I didn't know I was holding. I didn't know I needed that. So... It's amazing the the place where I've come to, where I feel like I can live authentically, and what you see is very much what you get, and I still worry sometimes that it's not going to be enough that what I have to share with the world might not reach somebody that needs it. That my words may be clumsy, that I may trip over my own feet or my own fingers as I type and not clearly communicate how important journaling can be and how accessible it can be and how wonderful it can be.
0: Yeah, I definitely, I definitely can see that. And it's kind of interesting now is but I can kind of see in myself and through the entrepreneurial guy a journey, and in, in yourself as well. As when we're talking so broadly, and we kind of all know this, as anybody has been a content creator, anybody that's wanted to do something, we want to we want to make something, and we want to make a big impact, right? And we're like, we need to really get to a lot of people and talk to a lot of people and get into a front of a lot of people. Uh, We need to kind of, again, change that message. And it sounds like you were able to do that with journaling that, Hey, look, this is a very sub niche environment, right? And this is something that even being so niche, if you will, uh, speaks to millions of people. So how do you get that platform? How do you, how do you change that mindset? And did you come to that realization that, Hey, look, I don't need to speak to everybody. I'm just going to speak on this one topic. I know you spoke on that, right? And what was that the moment?
1: That absolutely was the moment because until I started posting about journaling, I didn't realize there was such an appetite for it. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I've been in the absolute right time at the right place with the right message. I feel like everything I've done has really paved the way for me to share what I know right now, that all of my experiences with journaling, all of my experiences getting to this place in my life, all my experiences through the last couple of years of pandemic living, I think has primed the pump. And I think I really just was in the right place at the right time. It was October. Nobody's thinking about journaling in October. Journaling feels like a January thing. And now you can see people are talking about journaling left and right, and it's fabulous. And I love it. And I love to uh, pop, you know, pop up the uh, the hashtag journaling on LinkedIn and see what comes up, and comment on everybody's stuff, and share what I know because I want people to know that it matters. I want people to know that journaling has the power to make a difference in your life, that journaling can help us better understand what we think and how we feel. It can help us wrestle through difficult situations, helps us communicate more clearly. Journaling helps me to track my progress toward my goals and really be able to acknowledge and celebrate the little bits of progress that I'd otherwise overlook on my way to the great big overachieving goals I'm always shooting for. That I think was my one of my primary lessons from 2021 because I journaled in new ways. And as I journal in new ways, new benefits come to me. And I'm so excited every time I discover something new. And I've been journaling for, Oh, golly, I'm not even going to tell you how many years because it makes me feel really old, but I've been journaling since I was a teenager and I know that it works and I'm still finding new ways that it benefits me. I decided this weekend I was going to keep a health journal. I, just, I started a new book specifically to keep track of my sleep and what I eat and how I move and how I feel and hoping to really come up with some great trends and some patterns so I can make better choices in my life. And already I'm three days in and I've noticed things. And it's been the coolest, coolest experience. It's just challenged myself in different ways and get to know myself better and get to like myself better. And to find confidence I always wanted but I didn't know was even possible.
0: I love it. I love that. I love that passion there too, with the journaling and just getting it out there, coming up with new ideas. I'm coming up with new ideas all the time with my content, you know, and as content creators, as entrepreneurs, as business minded individuals, I know the struggles of trying to come up with new practices and new stuff. So what are some ways that you kind of do that on a regular basis? What's your go-to strategy?
1: Mm, My go-to strategy is to pay attention to everything around me and to ask a whole lot of questions and to consume a whole lot of content. It should not surprise you that I'm a big reader. I think every librarian is, um, but I'm always reading something. If it's not a book, it's uh, it's an article, it's somebody's content on LinkedIn, and there's so many smart people writing so many interesting things. I always describe LinkedIn as a playground, and I'm so excited that people invite me to play with them. And people don't mind when I just jump in with the ball. And and it's the greatest best because I can't tell you how many mornings I wake up and think, I've run out of ideas. I have nothing else to say. And I just do a quick scroll to see what other people are talking about. And I was And usually it starts out as a comment I make on someone else's post. I'm sure I've done it with your post. I'll write this really great comment. And I was like, wait, it's too big to be a comment. This is a post in and of itself. It's a post. (laughs) Right? So a lot of times I get my inspiration just by, just by reading what other people are doing. Um, one thing i like to do when I post on LinkedIn is always put some journal prompts in the comments section because sometimes we just need a question to get us started and I've learned I'm really good at asking questions.
0: And I've always wanted to ask this question. You brought it up earlier, librarian, you know we love reading, what's your favorite book genre? I've always wanted to ask a librarian this.
1: Ooh. I'm a big, big fan of historical fiction. I've read probably more than my share of World War II historical fiction. But yeah, historical fiction. If I could only read one kind of book the rest of forever, it might be that. But last year, I really read a lot broader and wider than I normally do. So one of my goals last year was to read 21 minutes a day. And because I was tracking it every so I do this thing I call accountability journaling, where once a week I sit down and I reflect on all of my goals and all the progress that I made. So this one goal to read 21 minutes a day each week, I would reflect on what I read, what I learned from what I read, um, how I was going to make a plan to do better the next week if I missed a couple of days. But I found that it made me be more intentional about what I read so I read a lot more nonfiction than I usually do. I read a lot more fiction by non-white writers than I usually do which was very cool and I read a couple of poetry books which I don't usually read on purpose but really enjoyed it was a nice it was a nice treat so I find that the more the more curious I am and the more accountable I hold myself the, more my thinking has stretched and grown but i do like a good fluffy novel um so far this year i've only read one book and it's this embarrassingly fluffy romantic comedy that i hope will be hallmarks uh hanukkah movie of the year this year it's called the Matzah ball it's like the funniest most goofy entertaining book i've read in a long time
0: you have a lot of insights into books obviously being a librarian so that kind of, kind of makes sense right um in that regard um other things that kind of come to mind in, in that whole reading and consuming it, it kind of reminds me of tim ferris i believe has a saying he's got a podcast out there and he always likes to kind of how do we reframe our mind? And it sounds like you've been doing it with books. You've been doing it with journaling is how do we reset, reframe our mindset is by changing what we do for 48 hours. Everything we traditionally do, switch it up. You know, if you go to work one way, drive a different way. If you're reading this one type of book, pick up that other type of book that you might not be interested in. So again, we're finding it going back to this curiosity. How, I guess you have this when coming into that job, but really, did you have that as a child too? Were you innately curious as a kid?
1: I think I was as curious as the average kid is curious. I don't remember being especially curious, but I was always a really big reader. I always, I always wanted to know all the answers. It's hard to remember so long ago, but yeah, I think I was re- Average kid curious. I don't think I was exceptional. I think I really grew into my curiosity. The older I get, the more curious I get. Um, Not long ago, I took the Gallup Strength Finder Clifton Strengths Assessment. I don't know if you've taken that one, Um, but it gives you your top five strengths. And my top five are learner, communication, input, maximizer, Mm -hmm. and responsibility. So learner is all the... the process and the, all of the learning. Input is all of the stuff of learning. And communication, I love, is sandwiched in there because to me, the greatest things are being curious, communicating, about it and with other people to learn what I want to learn and building connection. I always say my three pillars are curiosity, communication, and connection. And I find that everything in my life really comes back to these, to these things. So yeah, I've always been a learner. I've always been interested in knowing all the things, but I never connected it with being curious. So recently,
0: yeah, I can definitely align with that curious and always asking the questions always curious about how things are operating as well um going back to again with the books and the librarian i'm i'm a big book giver uh for gifts Uh, is there a gift or a book that you traditionally gift to people and if so what book is it and why Hmm.
1: so (laughs) when my friends and everyone i know has babies i love to get them these board books they're um I think the series is called Baby Lit. And I discovered them years and years ago. I think the first one I saw was Pride and Prejudice for Babies. And I don't remember if that's a color one or a number one. That might be a number. But this artist and illustrator have taken all the classics and broken them down into be, you know, all the basic things, colors and numbers and shapes and weather. And I just think they're really fun. And it it makes all of my friends who are readers and my family who are readers just chuckle that like, oh, I'm going to read Pride and Prejudice to my baby. So those of what I have normally gifted. But I'm going to have a new favorite book to give. I have a brilliant friend that I met from college. Her name is Deborah Farmer Chris, and she is coming out with a book next month. Oh, what is it called? It is called You Have Feelings All the Time. And it's one of a four part series that's coming out. And I've already Mm -hmm. told her those are going to be my new favorite books that I give. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: They're beautiful. I I think it was one of my family friends gave us some of those books that you're talking about. It wasn't Pride and Prejudice, but it was like Newtonian science for babies, you know? So (laughs) a very complex topic. Yeah, broke down for babies. I loved it. It was a great great joke. So (laughs) reading rocket science and such. Uh, that's funny. So, maybe going into shifting into a different thing, and I know you mentioned it a little before, is that you really didn't find this new mindset in the past five years. And I think it can be attested to this new position, but what else kind of brought into the fruition this reality that I am going to be an entrepreneur, I am going to start something that I want out of ground, uh, build it from the ground up. What What, what else was it?
1: This time last year, I had reached a plateau at work and I felt like I was, had grown as much as I was going to grow there. And what do you do when you're at an organization and there's nowhere else to grow and nowhere to climb? You start looking elsewhere. And I, I struggled trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. I'm a librarian, but I don't want to work in a library right now. I do event planning, but I'm not an event planner. I do some marketing, but I don't want to be a full-time marketer, right? So how do I find that sweet spot? And so the end of May, my executive director announced that she was retiring at the end of the year. And all of a sudden it was like the log jam cleared. I could see straight down the river and that job was going to be mine. So I think it was 10 o'clock in the morning that she told us at a staff meeting. As soon as the meeting was over, I went and I told my husband, like, I can't believe she just gave our notice, I'm going to go for this. So by noon, I had devised a plan, I registered for a nonprofit management certification course, so I could bridge some skill gaps. And I had messaged our incoming board chair, who is the head of the hiring, and let him know that I was going to be throwing my hat in the ring, and I was going to do whatever it took to be a serious contender. And so I spent about five months last year really working for this with this big goal in mind. So I did earn that certification. I strengthened relationships with our team. I got a bigger picture of our organization and this our financial situation and how it worked. And I really asked a lot of questions and got really, really curious Posting on LinkedIn was part of that, largely because our board chair was hanging out on LinkedIn a lot. And I thought, this is a great way for me to show you what you would get. That it's not just Amanda Stern, the girl who sends out all the emails about the events, right? That I'm Amanda Stern who thinks these really great, interesting thoughts. And, you know, you can hire me to do the interesting thinking and have all the thoughts for our organization, right? I interviewed, gave a great interview felt like I nailed it and said to my husband afterwards, if they are looking for somebody who's got existing relationships, who has the drive to learn and who can quickly close any skill gaps, I have a really good shot. If they want somebody who has really solid supervisory and financial skills, it's going to be somebody else. Cause I just haven't learned them yet. And, um, They decided on something else and someone else, which is totally, totally fine, because at the same time, I started writing about journaling. And it was this eye-opening experience where one door shut, but another door opened, and I could take everything that I learned in that five-month journey and carry it forward with me. And I don't know at what point it happened, Brian, but I was able to detach myself from the outcome. I was able to focus where I had control. And because even though I wanted this job, I wasn't focused on the outcome when it didn't didn't come in my favor, I wasn't devastated that I was like, great, great. I did a really great job and how it turned out was nothing to do with me or my performance. You just wanted something else. It's like, it's like pizza, right? You love pizza. You think pizza's the greatest, but for dinner, you're just feeling like spaghetti. It's not pizza's fault. Pizza didn't do anything wrong, right? You're just kind of in the mood for spaghetti. And so that really wasn't, an amazing experience for me to get to that place in my life where I could be proud of everything I accomplished, even though the end result wasn't what I wanted or what I expected. And it's really turned out to be the best thing that could have ever happened to me, that I feel like I. I learned and grew, which is really what I wanted from the whole process. I don't know that I wanted to be executive director of my organization, though if I was given the job, I would have loved it. I would have done a really great job. But this way, I got all of the learning and growth that I had wanted and get to build my own thing, which is very, very cool because building your own thing is all about what you can do and what you bring to it. And I'm not limited by what other people think or what other people want. I get to just go and build something. And because I'm not, what's the best way to put it? Because I'm not trying to make that any one specific thing, I'm just playing and I'm having a lot of fun and I want to help people. And I think that's the greatest part for me is I don't have to do this. I want to do it. I can do it. And I can have a lot of fun.
0: I got to say, in that whole aspect of just having to take that leap or shift that mindset, right? Shifting that focus arena of saying, hey, look, this is one door shutting. I can I could have grieved about this and just been stuck on it and sulked on it for days upon days, you immediately shift that. So how or what do you say to others that are having doors shut in their face to shift quickly? How do how do they do it?
1: That's hard because I don't want to be trite. I will say, first off, it's hard. It's hard to not get what we want, period. It can feel really, really crummy, and it's okay to sit with that for a while. But then pick yourself up and dust yourself off and start over again in a new direction because we're not starting from zero. We're starting with all of that new knowledge and the new confidence and the new, everything we learned along the way. And I think that's the greatest thing because everything we try and everything we learn and everything we do just makes us a little better. It makes us a little smarter and a little wiser and a little more empathetic. And we don't know when the next wonderful thing will happen. But I've seen in my life when I think things can't get worse, they get better. When I think there's no way things can get better because my life is pretty great, it somehow magically does. That somehow everything works out okay. I always feel like, Everything works out best for those of us who make the best of how things turn out. I'm not a big fan of everything happens for a reason because I think that feels really icky sometimes, but we can always learn. We can always grow. We can always take what we're given and make something beautiful out of it.
0: Yeah, I I have to agree that first one can get a little toxic positivity to it and we'll spin on that. But versus things are happening for us versus against us, kind of shift that, that this might not feel good at the moment and that's okay and you can sit with that. But here, look, you've gone this far. You're strong. You're possible. You can do it. Now go build something. So taking that step and kind of pushing that forward into maybe people that are wanting to start a business, start an entrepreneurial mindset, and they're holding on. They're not wanting to take the leap. They're not wanting to take that next step. That really is that buy-in. What do you say to those people?
1: I would say get really crystal clear on who you are, what you want, and what you can offer. And that's where I like journaling so much, because the more I journal, the more I learn who I am, the more I become the person I want to be. I think I said it before, journaling helps me better understand what I think and how I feel. It helps me clarify my thoughts. It helps me really work through situations that I'm not sure of. It helps me recognize all the good in me it recognize helps me recognize where my limitations are and where i can grow but also again what i'm really good at and what i can bring to the world and that has been a huge confidence builder in me that each week when i record my progress toward my goals I see it's not always the big steps that matter. It's the small, consistent baby steps I take that have added up to really wonderful things that have helped me reach my goals and exceed my goals without feeling that I've done anything desperate or dramatic to get there. It's just these little everyday things just add up to great things, sometimes when we're not looking. So be clear on who you are. Be clear on what you want. Be clear on why you want it. I think that's a huge one for me, is knowing why I want to bring journaling to the world. I don't I don't want to bring journaling to the world because I want to tell people what to do. I don't want to bring journaling to other people because I want them to journal my way. I just genuinely know that journaling helps. I've seen it. I've felt it. I've seen it work with other people. And I want other people to understand that this is a tool that you can use to make your life better. And I think that is my why that drives me. And anything else that comes is a bonus.
0: Powerful stuff. And I got to say, if somebody is journaling for the first time, and maybe they are writing sentences out at the, fir- at the beginning, and they can't get a big page written out, and that's okay. And we know that's okay. Uh, is it okay then to ever go back and look at old journaling, right, of what you've done in the past?
1: Yeah, of course. I don't do it often. I usually go back only when I'm looking for specific information. That's just me. I know lots of other people who love to go back and reread their journals. I love the idea that as we journal, we're writing a story of how we became who we are. That my story is a story of how I overcame obstacles, how I learned, how I grew, how I tried, how I helped other people, right? That We get to write who we want to be. I always say when I write, I become more the person I want to be, right? So when we're having hard times, I think it's very cool and very appropriate to look back in our journals to other times when we overcame difficult situations. Because it teaches me, oh, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. If I can get through my husband telling me he'd be happier not being married to me, then it probably is not gonna kill me if I don't get a job I want. Big deal. Other jobs, you know, other jobs will come, right? So I feel like, yeah. Read them if you wanna read them. If you don't want to read them, if you think you'll be super embarrassed, you don't have to. Because sometimes the act of writing is enough. I think it's important. I love how you said, you know, if people are just starting, they're writing a few sentences. That counts. It's totally fine it's totally great to start small. If you want to start by one line a day and you're going to do it consistently and you're writing a good sentence, awesome. If you want to start with a paragraph or a page, cool. The just like any habit, starting off small, building the confidence that we can show up every day and do this thing for us, trusting that we'll be able to make it happen. I think that's really wonderful and really powerful. And I think it's important to know too that not every day journaling is a great one. I have days where I sit down and it's like everything in the universe, all the stars align. So my thoughts are clear. My penmanship is perfect. My words are just beautiful and I can write pages and pages and, and it seems like no time has gone by at all. And then I have other days, which I call sticky days, where it doesn't matter what I do or how much is on my mind. I cannot pull the thoughts out of my brain. And I might wrestle and wrestle and get a paragraph on the page. But it's fine because I've proven to myself I can show up. I can do this hard thing. I can do something that feels really daunting. And I know that tomorrow may be a better day. And the more I practice, the better it'll get.
0: It's great. And then also that, like you said earlier, the the pages don't judge you. Your journal doesn't judge you. If you only put a sentence down or if you put a whole page, a couple pages down, it doesn't matter either way. You're doing it. You're showing up. Well, I always like to throw in some closing questions uh, for my guests. And they're kind of, again, they're tidbit funners, uh, if you will. Uh, So one of them is, again, if you had one tip or piece of advice that you tell yourself as a teenager, what would it be?
1: I would tell myself to only worry about the opinions of the people whose opinions actually matter. I spent way too much time in my life trying to worry about what other people thought, and it's funny, my, my mom used to say to me, she's like, Amanda, not everybody has to like you, which I thought was really mean. It always felt really mean when she said that, because of course they should all like me. I'm wonderful. I'm kind. I'm friendly. I do nice things for people. And what she was really saying was don't spend time worrying about people who don't matter because people will like you or they don't like you. And that has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. So focus your time and attention on the things that matter. Mm. I'm embarrassed to say how old I was when I finally realized it. It took me a long time.
0: So another question I like to throw out there as well, and it's kind of optimistic. What What do you get most excited about in the future?
1: I'm excited about launching a kid into the world. My oldest is going off to trade school in the spring and I'm so excited to send him off and see him become a human. I think that's probably what I'm most excited about. It was watching my people who are now 19, 17 and almost 15 to watch them become people in their own right and to see who they're going to be and what mark they're going to make in the world and the steps they go through to find themselves. I'm really excited to see these people who I think are pretty great now. I can't wait to see the wonderful adults they turn out to be.
0: Again, always, Amanda, it's great to have you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Uh, And again, it's always a pleasure to engage with you on LinkedIn and see your content around journaling. I think a lot of people can benefit from it and gain a lot of insights from it for for what you offer them in the art of journaling. Uh, So thanks again. And we look forward to seeing you again soon on the show, hopefully.
1: Great. Thanks, Brian. This is great.
0: And that's this episode of The Art of the Mindset with Amanda Stern. Thanks so much for listening. And if you're looking for more information about journaling, be sure to head over to Amanda Stern's LinkedIn page and you'll find endless information regarding how to journal, when to journal, even amongst your busy life. And remember, stay curious, keep expanding.